0: I used to think, I remember moving into our first apartment, Lisa started beautifying this apartment. I'm like, what are you doing? We're paying someone rent and we're not going to be here. Like this is just (laughs) utilitarian and functional. And she goes, we're going to have our family in this place. We're going to invite our parents to visit us. And we're going to feed my students from the school in this place. We're going to have our church friends over. I'm not going to live as if this place can't be beautiful. I'm going to make it ours, Hmm. even if we're going to be here for a year. So the art of placemaking and Uh, There's something about, are you, have you created a little nest, a little area where you can be human?
1: Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I get to sit down with an entrepreneur, a CEO, a nonprofit director, a church leader, community leader, or you know what? Just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is none other than Daniel Grothy. He is the associate senior pastor at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and he is the author of Chasing Wisdom and the new author of The Power of Place, Choosing Stability in a Rootless Age. He's been the pastor at New Life for 16 years. He is a two-time Grammy-nominated musician. He and his wife, Lisa, live on a hobby farm outside of Colorado Springs with their three children, Lillian, Wilson, and Wakely. And, you know, a thriving throng of happy animals. Now, you may remember the name Daniel Grothy because he has been on the show before his... Episode, I think it was two hundred and five. I don't know. I mentioned it in the show. You'll you'll know. Daniel's been on the show before. He was on back in twenty twenty. And to date, I kid you not when I say this, Daniel is one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. The moment we did that interview, I was like, this guy is awesome. He has become a dear friend, and uh, his latest book, The Power of Place. I read it in a in a day it is the book we all need right now and this conversation is the conversation we all need right now let me tell you when i finished recording this episode i immediately texted my husband and was like i need daniel Grothy to just come on my podcast every single week he is just he's hilarious he's funny he's kind um he is incredibly wise And he just says the things that we all need to hear, even if it might be a little hard to hear it. You are going to love this conversation. Please share this episode. I want this episode to be listened to far and wide because truly this is a conversation we are so needing in our culture right now. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Daniel Grothy. I could not be more pumped to welcome my I I think we're friends I hope we're friends we're, I hope you think we're friends Daniel we're um, friends. my friend Daniel Grothy back to the show and as I was telling him before we recorded like this is a monumental thing because I am very picky and choosy as to who I bring back on my show and you're only the third person to ever come back on twice
0: I am honored I'm
1: just saying I'm just saying try not
0: to, try not to screw this up Grothy. I, <laughs>
1: Um, but you're, I mean, to date, so you are back on episode 205, which right now for the listeners, uh, you if you haven't listened to that episode, if you're a newer listener, um, go back and listen to two, episode 205. Because to date, it is one of my favorite episodes of all time. And I recommend it to people all the time. And I tell people to go read your book, because uh, you are just somebody who you speak my language. And um and it's funny because I I went back to kind of listen to it just to kind of refresh myself on some of the things that we talked about. And a lot's happened since yeah. then. And uh one of the things I wanted to start this off with was we started off that episode and you were kind of telling us about your hobby farm. And you told a story of your daughter uh, like castrating pigs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's right.
1: Which was like we just really dove right in. Um, but uh I want to get some farm updates and yeah. uh And then also share that, like, since that time, like I was sharing that we had been praying through buying land and starting homestead and and, like, we live on a farm now. And so like a lot's happened. It's a lot's happened. So um, give us some farm updates. Like what's happening on your farm on on Quiet Quiet Waters Farm?
0: Yes, yes. Uh, We have the elk herd moving through right now. And it just we have a resident elk herd out here. Um, it's elk hunting season, and my brother-in-law is. Uh, two seasons ago, he was sitting at his kitchen table, and I called him. I said, "Hey, they're here." He jumped up from his kitchen table, and some of you who are, you know, you don't hunt or you, you know, you're you're vegan and you would never do that. Just go ahead and press pause for a minute. Okay. But uh, he jumped up from his table, got his gun, ran out, and in his work clothes, shot a massive seven by seven bull elk. And so they're, they're back and it's that time of year. So that's the buzz around here. We just harvested our 20th cow. We, um, we raise cattle and feed people all over town here. So we just sent out another 2000 pounds of beef. Um, so that's something going on here. We're fattening up the pigs and life is life is full. We just built a barn.
1: Yes. It's Um, beautiful.
0: Thank you, thank you. We built the black barn out on out on Quiet Waters Ranch, and we wanna we've had weddings out here and gatherings and pastors retreats, but we realize that if you're gonna do that long term and if you're gonna be able to host any amount of people, you gotta really have a proper place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not just our house, but now we've got the black barn. We've had 130 people over for dinner in the last week, uh, so we're having a blast uh, building this place out.
1: Daniel, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, your elk herd. Uh, puts my deer herd to shame. Uh, I was I was telling Daniel uh, that I was distracted before we started recording because there was a massive herd of deer in our I mean, we have deer in our yard, basically at all times of day, like, uh, there's just, it's rare to go outside and not see deer. But that was definitely the largest herd I'd ever seen. And they were fighting with my turkeys, which I just thought was very interesting. (laughs) Um, And I, you know, I am not obviously I'm I realize that this is gonna come as a shock to many of you, is but I am not a farmer or I'm not a hunter. Um mm-hmm. that is just not gonna be my my style. Um, but my husband got his hunting license and he's got a couple friends that hunt and um it's almost deer seed. It's technically here, it is now you can hunt deer with a, a compound bow. Um yes. you can't shoot them with a rifle. I t- think till like Thanksgiving. Um right. but I've never had venison. Um, yeah. And so I'm like nervous about this. Um, yeah. I don't know. And then also like, I I really like the deer. And so then I'm like, Oh okay. no, this is going to be like Bambi and I'm going to be really sad. and It's going to be hard. Our,
0: <laughs> our rule is there, there's no hunting for sport. Uh, no, if you're no, do we would do never the work. Do, yeah. If you're going to do the work and fill your freezer and feed your family for the year, then it's, it's all game. Uh, it's fine. But yeah, we're not just out there trying to be cool no. and shooting oh, yeah, animals yeah. and hanging out like it. Our kids have done the work, our boys cleaned out the elk, and we have 400 pounds of elk uh, meat across the way, so anyway.
1: talk to me about elk meat. I'm just okay. And for the those again, vegans, you can just fast forward through this for like the next <laughs> 30 seconds. Um like what is it? I've, I've obviously never had venison so I've never really had elk. Lean.
0: It's really lean. I'm not much of a venison guy. It's kind of gamey to me. Elk uh it's tender. It's it's quite a bit more tender and a huh. lot leaner and huh. I guess I just have a taste for it. Huh. Um yeah, but I'm not much of a deer guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll, It will be a learning experience. But no, Uh, you know, and uh, my husband's best friend or one of his best friends, Bryson, who he's like our farm sitter. He's just Bryson's just like the guy who knows like everything. Like you're just like, how do you know all of this information? He's just that guy. And he drives himself out to like Wyoming and Colorado and like hunts big game and all that kind of stuff for again for food. But he was talking about like just the um, the beauty of like the symbiotic, like coexisting relationship between animals and humans, and and he's right. like, and because my husband was a little mad because uh, we had some deer uh, basically destroy our one of our peach trees and one of our cherry trees, yeah. and like my husband was not happy and um, <laughs> he's um,
0: like man forget that symbiosis yeah, Get off my land. Like,
1: he was so mad like i mean they snapped it in half mm-hmm. um and he's like one how did they do that number two like i'm i'm not happy about this but he was just talking about like this the, uh bryson was talking about how you know he's like you provide for the deer and then yeah. once a year they're yes. gonna provide for you and they're gonna feed your family so
0: every, every meal we sit down to we have something from the ranch that we've brought to the table yeah and it creates amazing conversations. Our kids are getting the eggs every morning. They've got yeah. a little egg business they're selling to their friends. Uh, it, it, we, we thank God for what he has provided for us. And that's yeah. not an abstraction. Yeah. That, uh, like chickens are amazing. You feed them and they feed you and they don't have to die yeah i mean like unless you're eating chicken breast but we're eating eggs you know right. and it's just it's a fun cycle of life and our kids understand how life works and where it comes from and and it's just an amazing one more little story yes you ask please. what's going on in the ranch my daughter lillian is 14 and a couple of years ago she said i really want to breed dogs i love golden doodles And and we said, okay, talk to us about that. So moving out to the ranch, we said we wanna do things that we wouldn't have been able to do in the neighborhood. Yeah. If we're gonna be out here on land, we're gonna do out here on land kind of stuff. Yeah. So we said, all right, we'll buy the mini golden doodles, we'll buy the male, we'll buy the female for you, 0% interest loan, you pay us back for the female. So if you want to do this you skin in the game so she starts working she's babysitting she's working at a little dress shop up the way she's cleaning up around the house and she pays us down and she writes it on her little sheet and then she pays us a little more and she writes it on her little sheet 1500 dollars down 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 the the puppy gets her dog gets pregnant and she's starting to grow, and two weeks before the litter was born, Lillian paid us the final dollar of the $1,500, and she was debt-free on her investment. Hmm. Two weeks later, seven puppies are born, and she raises them, she markets, she talks to her friends, she's got a waiting list of 50 people, she sells the seven puppies, and at 14 years old, she was 13 at the time, at 13, she had more money than I had when I married her mother 16 (laughs) years ago. She did all the work, she did all the stuff, all the vaccination records, communicated with all of her clients. We did nothing. And these adults showed up at our house and brought cash and paid our daughter. And it was such a beautiful process. And, and at the end of it, I said, let me tell you what ROI means, return on investment. You paid 1500 bucks, and look what you have to show for it. And Warren Buffett would take those percentages every day of the week. Wow. So a fun, a fun life process. Uh, memory will never forget.
1: That's really cool. That's really cool. And that's one of the things, Like, I mean, our kids are only eight and five right now, but we're trying to just kind of encourage them along the way of, you know, if you have ideas or if there's something you want to bring to the farm, talk to us. Like, we're open to it. So, my husband is currently trying to talk to me about uh, raising bison out here. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't think so. I don't, we're only on 12 and a half acres and bison (laughs) seems. Like a lot of an investment. And so, and he's That's like, commitment. come on, bison. And I'm like,
0: I can't wait to see. Listen, I can't wait to see your videos of the bison roaming I, you your property.
1: Know, it's not gonna be anytime <laughs> soon, but uh we'll see. Um, okay, so we're moving on from farm stuff. Another thing, okay. So this is kind of the Daniel 201, since you've already given us the Daniel 101. Um, one of the things that we did not talk about when we recorded the first time that we have since learned is that you're a Cleveland Browns fan. And so I just yeah. needed to take this opportunity. By the time this airs, who knows? But at at the current recording, the Browns yes. are three and one, baby, and we should be four. No, we
0: should be, we should be. So I'll I'll just be honest here. My my fandom is directly related to an OU Sooner coming to be your quarterback. Yes. So I'm a Johnny come lately, but unapologetically, yeah. I'm watching every game and yeah. Miles Garrett and Jadavian and Clowney. I mean, yeah. they're just lighting them up. It's yeah. so much fun to see a a long troubled franchise (laughs) uh, climbing out of the depths and and ascending the hill of the lord it's really fun
1: yes yes when people ask me like because i'm not from cleveland my dad is um so i mean i was born and raised a cleveland fan but when people ask me they're like the browns like why are you a browns fan i'm like it's because i enjoy pain and suffering um (laughs) and so like that but now here i am uh in my 36th year of life and i'm like
0: totally redeem yourself this
1: is my time. yeah, I've been waiting 36 years for this. So anyway, okay, we're gonna move on. Um, yeah. You have a new book out, uh, which is, uh, it's interesting, because this conversation really does makes the perfect like part two to our first conversation, because one of the topics that we hit on was and this was a quote that you said in that episode that has stuck with me ever since then. And it was that we as Christians have developed a poor theology of suffering. And that we believe that many Christians believe that Jesus came to die on a cross so we don't have to carry one. And um, and so that when life gets hard, when it gets hard, many of us just up and quit. We up and leave, whether the there's drama in the church or there's, you know, there's a there's a scandal in the church, or if you know, a relationship gets too hard, we just think divorce is easier or if If a friendship gets too hard, we just cut that person out. We just cancel culture, blah, 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 like all these things and how we just have this poor theology of, of suffering and hard times. And, um, and so you've written this book, the power of place, choosing stability in a rootless age. And it's so much of, uh, this book really relates to that conversation we were having. And I remember at the time being like, oh, I want to just have a whole conversation with you about this. And so yeah. here we are. Um. So first, talk to us first about like, where the idea for this book came from, how it all kind of came to fruition.
0: Well, I'm the grandson and great grandson of farmers. And this, this picture right up here behind me is my uh, great grandpa's 700 acres. And uh, he raised my grandpa, Dan, who I'm named after, uh, on this property. And they built the house and the barn and they had 500 chickens in their chicken coop there, big business, poultry business, egg business. So people of the land up in uh, Lewis and Clark territory in Idaho, right on the Snake River. So every summer I would go up and I would work on the the farm with my grandpa he's driving the tractor i'm on the back catching sod stacking it on pallets getting the forklift putting it up on the flatbed truck delivering it to oregon montana wyoming on all over idaho and so that's how we spent our summers and at the end of the day you were tired you, you you were filthy you needed a great meal and a great shower and great sleep and it was just salt of the earth wonderful way to live we we were splashing in the creek and we would build a dam in the creek that would get the water going over and my grandpa created a pump system this is you know old school stuff and he'd water his sod farm and and so i i just spent my summers like that and I watched my grandparents live in the same place. My grandma's now 90 living there. Mm. My grandpa lived there 86 years, same community, 500 people, the Nez Perce Indian Reservation. Everywhere they went, hello, Mr. Wilson, Dan Wilson, Louise Wilson, Grandma Wheezy, hi, Wheezy. Uh, they, They took care of people. Uh, grandma was the postmaster there for 35 years. So she was in the post office and sorting mail every day. Grandpa was the mail carrier. He would deliver it. To this day at 90 years old, my grandma can tell you so-and-so lived at five you know, East Main Street and t- <laughs> like literally steel trap, you know, kind of memories of where people are from and yeah. people's stories and their family names. So that's where I come from. And I'm a pastor and my parents have been pastors for 40 plus years. And I have watched the power of the local church. I have watched it restore lives. I've watched it refamily people. The psalmist said, God sets the lonely into families. Mm-hmm. And when you live rooted in a place, when you stay, when you fight through the boredom, when you fight through the frustration, when you you know we live in a in a culture of impermanence mm, mm-hmm. we live in a divorce culture 50% of marriages and i'm and i'm not trying to rant here i'm just saying we have muscle memory over the last many decades of i'm just done i'm leaving and so our technology is technology of impermanence iPhones are made so that every 12 to 18 months you're dissatisfied and we've got to move on so everything around us keeps us unsettled and i think Place has a way of purifying us Mm. and people have a way of purifying us. And through this theology of suffering, like when you will suffer in a place and and look, please hear me. If you're in an abusive marriage, get the heck out. I'm not saying be a glutton for punishment and put yourself or your kids at risk. Please don't, right. don't misunderstand me. Many people, though, run from the little niggling annoyances and idiosyncrasies that bother them. And if we will stay, I think people will be our great purifiers. I think place has a way of, of making, if we'll submit to where we are, God can make something of us through the particularity of where we live. And so uh, the fruit of the spirit they're not developed in abstraction. Mm. I can't be loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind in isolation. Mm -hmm. I can only do that in interpersonal relationships in a particular place. But if we will submit to it, I think the fruit of the spirit will bud from our lives.
1: Mm. That's so good. And I'm really glad that you gave that caveat of like, and we should just again, say that right here at the beginning, like this is not to say that you should be in any place or or relationship that is abusive harmful like like physically emotionally mentally like that get out yes. god doesn't it want the you dangerous. there get that, out. that's that's yes. god doesn't want you there um yes. but you're right i think like on the flip side and as, and we have seen it I would say even a hundredfold in the last 18 months <laughs> yes. is if your pastor preaches something that you just don't like fully agree with, well, yes. I'm out. I'm um, out. well, if I don't agree with the way my church handled this, I'm out. Like instead of taking the time to maybe ask the question uh, of why was that decision made or you yeah. know what, I don't necessarily agree with that decision, but let me look at like the track record of this church and like, and and maybe look at, yes. look at all the other things that this church is, you know, guess what? We're not, we have lost, oh, this is one of the things that I, I'm at a point where I am, I like stick a fork in me, I'm done uh, on the, we have lost the ability to disagree. Yes. And so done with it right now and i'm just at a point and i am not i'm an enneagram too okay i am just very i'm a <laughs> i am a relaxed
0: helper like
1: laid laid back easy but my like when i'm in stress like eight comes out and i'm just like yeah. like how do we not understand that guess yeah. what like that is the beauty of of god creating us is is giving right. us diversity of thought
0: yeah. Yes.
1: to thunk? Um, right. and diversity of experiences, diversity and all these different things. And so a lot of times like people are just all of a sudden we disagree mm-hmm. and peace out. I've seen friendships right. end over the right. most ridiculous things in the last 18 months.
0: And I don't trust people who show up in old age and start making new friends.
1: Thank you. How did you get
0: to 65 and you didn't live in such a way that you can carry your relationships with you? Yeah. If you don't have decades long relationships at that point, that tells me something about the way you've lived. Mm -hmm. And so like, I would rather suffer with my people and show up at the finish line with something to show for it. Yeah then bounce when I get frustrated or bounce when it gets hard or bounce when it gets annoying. And like the the intimacy that can grow the deep roots of life and kindness and friendship and the social capital that can grow Mm -hmm. over the long haul of staying rooted and staying faithful in place and with people is what makes us truly rich.
1: Yes. And and
0: I, I grieve when I see people leaving communities that they've got good history with people. Yeah. Just over stupid stuff. And I think to, I think to myself, you're going to have a stranger bury you one day. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like you're going to be, you're going to be, yeah, you pay your bills, but that's not what makes you rich. No. What makes you rich is the friendships that you will carry and the, the imprint you will make on a certain place in a community. So Mm. be faithful and, and put down roots. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think about. You know, one of the great examples of this in in just in my own like personal sphere of influence is like my husband's parents are a great example of this. Like they've been married 42, 43 years. They have basically attended the same church. Um, they attended like one church, left that church for a legitimate reason. When my husband was in elementary school, went to a new church and like, they've been there. Like my husband was, I mean, he's, he wouldn't, he'd be really, he's in his late, later thirties. Um, he's in his later thirties. Um, love you, babe. And, uh, he, you know, he played in like the, the kid, like the youth worship band at the church, his parents still attend, um, you know, his mom, like my husband was in the children's program at the BSF class. His mom still attends. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they've, they've lived in the same house since, uh, my husband was four, like that, that just to me says so much. Um, and, you know, and, and then in my own experience, like, My parents were married in the living room of the house I grew up in and owned it until I went to college. I mean, my mom died and then obviously, like, things changed. Eventually, my dad had to sell it. But, like, I lived in the same house for 18 years. Like, it was the house that people came to. It was, like, the house. Like, my house was the house. All my friends came over there and, like... That's that's so much of what I want for our kids. And, you know, we bought this farm and I've said to John, I'm like, I'm dying here. I don't want to die soon. Right. But like, right. I want to be 90 and sitting on the front porch swing with you looking over, yeah. looking over yeah. this farm and talking about all of the, the things that we experienced on this land. Um, yeah. And that's not the norm anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it, it it we live in a society of great cultural and social dislocation. I get it. Life is dynamic and markets change. And, you know, we've got workers who have to be migrants to follow the work. And Mm -hmm. again, this, this book will not romanticize place. Mm -hmm. Life is real. Uh, We've got military families who every three years have to shift to a new location. I get it. Okay. Um, But we are living in an age of wanderlust. Yeah. And, hey, I'm going to go try Austin for three years, and I'm going to run out to L.A. and see how that, you know, just see what sticks. And, oh, maybe I'll run to NYC. And we are the first generation in human history that is experimenting with this. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not sure it's working out for us. Yeah. I mean, you look at the, the, the stats, you look at the, the anxiety and the, the meds that we're having to take and the, the ways we're, I think we're, I think we're lonely. Mm. We have the deepest pockets of any society in history. And maybe the loosest roots of any society in history. And just because you can pay your bills doesn't mean you have what you need. Mm -hmm. So uh, this book is a reclaiming. It's a it's a it's throwing up the question again. What makes us rich? What makes us uh, secure? What makes us have what we need? And Maslow in his hierarchy of needs, what, one of the things that he talked about was how place provides security for us. that yeah. to, to be formed, to be shaped, to be protected, to be solid is to have a safe place to live where we are known and we are. It's, life can be predictable enough yeah. and the people around us will be our protection. So yeah, let's... Let's try to live in an, let's just pay attention to where we are in our moment in history and ask the question how's it working out for us?
1: Yeah. I'm gonna take a quick break from my chat with Daniel to thank our partner of the show, and that is Mama Suds. Mama Suds helps label reading moms create a safe and non-toxic home for their family by creating synthetic free household cleaners. And one of those cleaners is Mama Suds fine linen soap, which is the best thing since sliced bread. You can wash your high quality sheets, linens, delicates, organic fabrics with a fine linen soap in order to keep them looking newer and softer longer. You use three to four capfuls for a high efficiency machine on a delicate cycle, or four to six capfuls on a regular machine on a delicate cycle. I love Mama Suds. I use their products every single day. Michelle Smith has been on the show before. I'm such a big fan of this small business and mama owned business. Head on over to MamaSuds.com and use the code MOLLY for 15% off your order. That's MamaSuds, M A M A S U D S dot com. Use the code MOLLY for 15% off your order. Now, back to the rest of my conversation with Daniel Grothy. All right. There's one more question I want to ask specifically about kind of your research that I know went into this book. And then for the listeners, like to know kind of where we're going is because, uh, you know, we're laying out all this. Okay, here's where we are. And here's like where I think the consequences of where we've kind of placed ourselves no pun intended, like uh, how. have brought us. Um, and then, okay, so what did them what do we do with that? So we're going to go there, but I'm curious, like, cause I, I I'm always fascinated by data, um, data, yeah. data, potato, potato. As you were doing research for this, was there any particular stat or, or data in particular that you came across that was maybe surprising to you or, mm. or, or just even just shocking?
0: There's a book that, stood out to me national geographic did a a long study uh, many years ago and you can check out this report called the blue zones so the blue zones are them saying all right there are these pockets of centenarians people who've lived to be a hundred or or more mm-hmm. there are these five really pronounced pockets of, of blue zones people who've lived over a hundred in disproportionate number and so it's okinawa Japan it's Loma Linda California it's, it's Sicily Italy there's a place down in uh, Central America 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 or South America. And they wanted to get to the bottom of how does this happen? Why are people living past 100 here disproportionately? There's one place in Greece as well. And so they looked at a number of factors. They looked at diet. A lot of these people, you know, they're near water, they eat fish, you know, they they don't eat a whole heck of a lot. They're walking a lot. All of these people have to walk. They're living in communities where they don't drive around much. Um, they're st- sitting down, standing up all day long. So they're physically active. But but two of the things that really stood out to me is that they've stayed, or three things, they've stayed in the place that they are most of their lives. Mm-hmm. They've got a worshiping community that they all worship. Uh, you got the Seventh-day Adventists out in Loma Linda, California. You get the, the folks in Okinawa worship the way they worship, but they worship, you know, and they they gather together with their community and they, they've they got their routines. But then long-term friendship in that place. Mm-hmm. So it's place, it's worship, and it's long-term friendship in those particular places. And these people, they're 105, 104. Uh, they told a story of this group of girls who were born together in Japan and since like Kindergarten, they've been friends, so they've been now friends 100 years. And they show up at each other's homes. They heard that one of them lost a family member. And so the four of them walked over. I mean, imagine how long that took. Walked just across the community and showed up at the 105-year-old's house. And they had their afternoon sake, their little alcoholic drink. <laughs> and they pray for each other. And they love each other. And they have sushi and edamame. And they're talking shop. And so I what what shocked me about that Blue Zone report, and you can Google it, you can look for it, National Geographic's Blue Zone, is... Place, worship, and people all tied together. And they're saying that they find that as a common thread in all of these thriving communities where people have longevity, mm-hmm. you're going to find those elements. Yeah. And I just look around today and I think, do I see that as common among us?
1: Yeah.
0: Not really. Uh, but I think it's worth us trying to reclaim that.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the uh, many things that uh, I did in the early days of the pandemic when, you know, we were all home and bored was I got um, really into uh, genealogy tracing. Mm -hmm. Um, I've I've always just been fascinated about it. And so I I spent many, many hours on ancestry.com and I was Uh. tracing my genealogy and my my husband's ancestry. And uh, I did the ancestry DNA for yeah. everyone that is going to be very shocked I'm extremely Irish uh, like <laughs> extreme, I was like maybe it's going to come back like real nope nope it's pretty no. much Ir- Ireland and Scotland and 2% Norway I don't know you um, but yeah I am uh, Molly Eileen Buckley I'm
0: just uh, not really uh,
1: um, one of my husband's clients said she your wife she has the map of Ireland on her face I don't know what that means <laughs> but yeah so um, but what was really interesting is because my my ancestors on Both sides, my mom and my dad, like started coming over in the late 1800s and early 1900s. So, pretty recently, but my husband's family was a fascinating discovery. Mm -hmm. On basically both sides of his family, they started coming over to here to what was, I don't know what it was called at the time, but what is now North Carolina Mm -hmm. in the late 1500s. Holy
0: smokes! Early
1: 1600s. We were able to trace all the way back to the late 1500s, early 1600s to what is now North Carolina and like, Mm to the areas that his dad's family grew up in and his mom's like, we're talking
0: 400 years,
1: 400 years. And I was like, when they sing the song, I'm a Tar Heel born, I'm a Tar Heel bred. And when I die, I'll be a Tar Heel dead. Like that is you. (laughs) You are a Tar Heel born and bred for 400 years. His family has been rooted in North Carolina, which I thought was really interesting. And to your point on his side of the family, on his dad's side, like, we, my daughter met her great, great grandmother, her great, my husband's great, great, or his, my husband's great grandmother, uh, Graham mm-hmm. Willie died mm-hmm. a few years ago at a, almost 103. And we have a five generation picture. And I kept, I show it to Lily cause she was a baby at the time. And I go, but do you don't realize how unique this is Yeah. Exactly. that you got to meet your great grandmother and your great, great grandmother. Mm-hmm. And they like, were born and raised in that same area, uh, in Washington County, North Carolina, his yeah. dad, his grandfather, like built the house with his own two hands that like his, yeah. his dad yeah. grew up in. I mean, and that is, that speaks to your point of like, and She died at 103.
0: So let me just tease that out. So the first thing Place provides us is security, Maslow's Mm -hmm. hierarchy of needs. Like, we we actually have a good, clean, safe place to live. We have what we need. We're going to eat. So security. But the second thing Place does is it provides identity for Mm us. Yeah, I mean, your daughter, like, I am a North Carolinian. I I come from a people (laughs) with a story in a particular place. Mm -hmm. And I think that provides identity. I yeah. mean, think about think about Peyton and Eli Manning growing up in Archie's house. He played in the NFL 13 years. I mean, is there any surprise that these two boys took on the identity that they took on?
1: No, not, not at all.
0: Steph and Steph Curry. I mean, yeah. Dale Curry, 16 years in the NBA. Uh, Malala Yousafzai, the youngest Nobel uh, laureate
1: yeah.
0: uh, from Pakistan, fighting for women's rights and standing up. And is there any surprised that her identity was formed by the place that she came from. Mm-hmm. And when we submit to a place, uh, think of Jesus being Jesus of Nazareth.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We think that Jesus is, you know, God's salvation sprinkling fairy dust from the ether. No. How does salvation come into and work its way into and work its way out into the world?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Through place. Jesus of Nazareth and Jesus submitted to the smallest of all prepositions.
1: Yeah.
0: Of. (laughs) Yeah. And we, we, I think so many of us are just living on the move. We're bouncing around and we haven't yet let the smallest of all prepositions get into our souls and our psyches. And, but when we do, we begin to get an identity and I am, I am this person from this place and this is what I do. So, Mm. Uh, it it provides security. It provides identity.
1: Mm, Yeah, that's so good. Okay. So we take all that information and we say, all right, we live in this rootless age and we see people just, again, caveat aside, in general, we see people, especially right now, peacing out when it gets hard Mm -hmm. in in whatever situation it is, Mm -hmm. marriage, uh, you know, church life, friendships, Mm -hmm. a community, Whatever, like the state you live in, the country you live in, there are people. Like, I'm moving. That's it. I don't like America anymore. I'm moving to Canada. I'm moving to. Okay, like what? Okay, so there's all these things people are piecing out. So we're gonna transition to kind of the more workshoppy part yeah. of this, and that yeah. is, um, and and really breaking down this ancient vow of stability. And so we 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 know all this information. We know the benefits of stability. What do Mm -hmm. we do with that in the in-between? How do we take this and in a practical way when Mm -hmm. the marriage gets hard, when the friendships get hard, when we experience disagreement, when our church pisses us off? Somebody's gonna be mad. I'm gonna said that. Like when something pisses us off and we want to peace out, what do we do with it?
0: If it's not a a threatening environment.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So if you need to be safe, be safe. Yeah. If you're living in a toxic environment where it's unhealthy, get get healthy. So, but if it's the run of the mill, day in day out, garden variety stuff that I think you're talking about, mm-hmm. you realize that. People are the great purifiers. Yeah. You you practice. How do we practice? So we've got the the power of place and a theology of place, which we can talk about at some point. We've got these principles, but what are the practices of place? And one of the things uh, I, I would say I, I, I outline five practices of place. Practice of place in home, like the art of place making making where you live wonderful and beautiful and life-giving and rich and and I I used to think I remember moving into our first apartment Lisa started beautifying this apartment i'm like what are you doing we're paying someone rent and we're not going to be here like this is just <laughs> utilitarian and functional and she goes we're going to have our family in this place we're going to invite our parents to visit us and we're going to feed my students from the school in this place we're going to have our church friends over i'm not going to live as if this place can't be beautiful i'm mm-hmm. going to make it ours mm-hmm. even if we're going to be here for a year so the art of place making and Uh, There's something about are you have you created a little nest, a little area where you can be human, you know, where you can hear from the Lord, where you can come at the end of the day and find peace and get a deep breath And you know. So uh, homemaking, you know, the art of placemaking, like beautify where you are to the degree that you can. We're all on different budgets. We all have different constraints. But I think all of us can do a little bit of work to make the place that we are homie.
1: Let me let me speak to that for one second. So uh, because this is something I'm I obviously care a lot about. And we just mm -hmm. moved to this farm and and our house here is not that much like not square footage wise that obviously we have way more land than a quarter of an acre. But the Mm -hmm. actual house itself is a totally different layout than our last house. Like our last house was very like, you know, you have your Living room, kitchen and like dining room that we used as a playroom downstairs. And then you have your bedrooms upstairs. It was like very basic. This house Mm. was a custom build back in like the 80s. And so uh, it's just a totally different layout. The kids rooms are upstairs. Our room is downstairs. Like it's just weird. And so a lot of what we had in our old house just physically didn't work in this one other than like beds. Um, yep. but we were buying a farm. We had lots of investments. And so, uh, I have a whole episode. This is a selfish, uh, promotion of shopping on Facebook marketplace. So yes. like to your budget is like, yep. I got so much stuff for free or like,
0: Absolutely. like
1: borderline felt like I was stealing it. Uh off of Facebook marketplace and people are always like, Oh, that's so beautiful. Where'd you get it? I'm like 50 bucks, Facebook marketplace. Like, you know, <laughs> so I'm just My speaking wife to that buys half
0: of our stuff at Goodwill yes. and you know, garage you. sales, little elbow grease, a little yeah. bit of, you know, tender loving care and the thing pops and you're doing it on a shoestring yep. budget. Your yep. point is yep. it it doesn't have to take a lot right. to make your place yours.
1: Yep. Yep. hundred percent. So do that
0: work. And when you do, you lay your head down at night and you go, I'm invested here, yeah. I, I like what I've done here. Yeah. So there's a sense of buy-in. So yeah. the first practice is the pla- practice of home, You know, the art of placemaking, the second practice is family. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toni Morrison, the great African-American, mm-hmm. first African-American female Nobel Prize winner, brilliant, recently died. Um, she was telling about a, a, just a terrible work environment that she was in. And she came home and it was eating her up. She was losing sleep. She was anxious. She was It was just terrible. And she was living with her parents as a, as a middle-aged woman. And her dad was older and he had his cup of coffee in the morning. And he sees her, you know, just storming around the kitchen. And she's anxious about going to work. And, and he says, honey, what's going on? And she tells him. And essentially, I've written it in the book. You can read the full quote. But essentially, she he says, Honey, go to work and get your money and come on home because we are your people. They won't be with you forever. We will be with you forever. So you got to do your work. Go get your money. But then come home to the place where you're safe. There's something about all of the stuff out there. Like as long as everything's okay at dot, 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 you know, and insert your address here. Like what are we working to build our safe place with our safe people. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, my heart breaks for people who don't feel like they're safe with their smallest concentric circle of people. So Lord have mercy there and bring life and restoration. You have all of my prayers and all of my heart. But I don't think we realize how rich we can be just having that small concentric circle of people and fighting for unity there. Yeah. And 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 life is gonna be complex and people are gonna frustrate us in the office and all of that stuff. But if we can have a place to come back and be Rehumanized and put back together, I think, I think we're starting to get really rich there. So home, family, friendships, you won't stay long in a place if you don't have people that you love and people that love you. It's just, you're going to live on the move. Mm -hmm. And so do the hard work and it's really hard work. And the older you get, the harder it gets, the more complex life gets and the busier your schedule gets. It's, it's difficult, but I dream of being the old guy sitting at the diner, the Greasy Spoon diner, with the same three or four guys, you know, just shooting the breeze and catching up and praying for each other. And there, there is a a, a depth of riches to be found in friendship, and that will that will help you weather the storm. Our church has gone through so much through the years, like so much yeah, and, and it would have been so easy to leave. We had a double murder suicide on our campus on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Like I, I know what it is to want to leave, to mm-hmm. run, but my people are here. Yeah. And so if it, if it kills me, it kills me. I'll die with you though, because I'd rather be miserable with you than happy without you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the the depth of friendship, the practice of friendship matters. The fourth is church church, church, church. Thinking about your in-laws showing up every week, faithfully, just putting in the work. And what they've become over the decades is a, a sacred canopy under which people can grow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Your your in-laws, whether they would know to articulate it that way or not, they, they have contributed to stability in place in such a way that other people come and find safety there, they come and find joy there, they come and find protection there they've got some saints and sages and some some old gray hairs that have lived life and and they it i'm i'm safe so local church community people who can pray with you and weep with you and rejoice with you and and dedicate your children and bury your grandparents and officiate the weddings and live baptize your people there is something about the local church that i will never be able to get away from it is it is a place on planet earth that god does incredible work so submit to local church and then last practice is practice in your community what are you doing to make your place better your your community serve on a school board redo a park for people in a part of your city who have no resource and you need to come stand up for them and bring your people and rally the troops and make their lives better if you'll home family friendship church community if you'll sink your life down into those practices talk to me in a decade and tell me if it changed your life
1: yeah no you are absolutely right and um you know I especially with that uh, just because it's so top of mind for me right now is is that point about um, family in the church and how those things have played a part in in so much of my life and so much of what um the the life change you know for me like so just uh, at, in September, I was serving on a Sunday morning, I serve on our worship team. And it like dawned on me that that Sunday, like to the day was the 11th anniversary of when I first started attending um, wow. our church and um, and when I got saved. And, and it just was so cool to take a moment to kind of b- to b- reflect on that and go, Man, like the person I was when I walked through the doors of New Hope Church on Sunday, September twenty sixth, two thousand ten, to the person that I am serving Man. on the worship yeah. team at New Hope Church on Sunday, September twenty sixth, two thousand twenty one, um, are two totally different people, and all the things that have happened in between then. And you know, we've I've seen staff members come and go, and I've seen uh, you know people in the church come and go. But I, I was serving that Sunday with my best friend, who mm-hmm. I met through church. And we were singing together and I just like had this moment where I kind of was, I was weepy and I was like, you know, this person who I'm singing alongside and we're leading worship together is, is one of my best friends in the whole wide world. And I met her through this church and, and Mm -hmm. how, you know, and then, and one of the cool things I didn't share the baby, like uh, such a God story, a story for another day. But, uh, we lived close to each other in South Durham in, in the burbs. And, uh, she now lives a mile from me on Uh, two acres uh Um and so like we we're country neighbors now like they're going to yeah. stay in that house forever and I was just like god is so cool. <laughs> like, exactly. You know. Exactly.
0: And you'll be 90-year-old women. Yeah. 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 Well on your way to living that blue zone kind of life yeah. because place, people, worship, routines. Yeah. Joy out on the land like you, you are richer than you could ever know yeah. and I think it's more available to 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 us. Than any of us could ever know. So yeah. rediscovering the power of what's right in front of us, the place mm. right in front of us—that's mm. what this book's about.
1: Man, I—I I mean, I'm—I really try. I'm really trying not to sound biased, but this is like—I feel like this conversation and and this book is the the most needed thing for us right now. Um, because like I said at the beginning, like I, I'm getting all I'm getting all worked up because I'm I'm real fired up right now about our inability. Our lost ability to disagree yeah. and 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 work through those things with each other um, as people, as communities, um, yeah. and uh, there was a really interesting this statistic, this research that I came across, and it was shared by a guy by the name of Brady Shearer, S H E A R E R, and uh, he he works for like he does like church. Research, But I just thought this thing in particular was really interesting. And it was a social media trend that he is monitoring um, just in general that greatly affects churches. But I think this trend in particular is one that affects us just generally. So he says for the last hundred years or so, the following statement has been true for most people those that are geographically proximate are also ideologically proximate. Meaning you likely share more in common with your next door neighbor than you do with someone across the country, but the internet has inverted this. Mm -hmm. So today, Mm -hmm. many of us find ourselves ideologically closest to people hundreds or thousands of miles away while we might be ideologically opposite to our neighbors and family. So this is thanks to the social and the internet. How? Because... I, you, we can all find like-minded folks on even the most obscure topics on a subreddit or a Facebook group or on Twitter, and you feel like you found, quote, your people, which in turn can make the distance between those geographically close to me seem even greater. And it's difficult to articulate how far reaching this phenomenon is and will continue to be. But for every organization that operates in a local context like churches, Um, Mm -hmm. this has massive implications, because we are absolutely contending with this as it reshapes what we've come to know about belonging and shared beliefs. And he used this example um, of and we're not talking about this. But this is the example he used. And it's just the the COVID vaccine. And Mm -hmm. he talked about how, like for in the 90s, you know, most of us in the, in the 90s, we'd have these things called newspapers. I don't know if any of you remember them, newspapers, <laughs> um, and maybe a couple of local news channels as our primary influences. And so uh, we and we would need influences like that for an issue like the COVID vaccine or whatever it is, because we don't have an informed expertise on that. Right. So right. imagine, you know, you're standing at the end of your driveway, getting your paper, you're talking with your neighbor, and you've yeah. read the same newspaper, you've gotten the same information. But now with the internet, with this infinite number of sources, experts, all that kind of stuff, when you're talking to your neighbor about an issue, you have no idea what context they're coming from, or where they're yeah. getting information. So anyway, all that to say, I just thought it was so interesting. And it speaks so much to your point of, I think, because of that, and, and what the internet has done for us, good and bad, um, yeah. is that it we are all, we're creating these echo chambers for ourselves. And so then mm-hmm. it, when we're dealing with our in real life people yes. that maybe are getting their information from somebody else or come from a different ideological standpoint, we can't possibly agree with them.
0: Our neighbor next door is our enemy, but someone 8,000 miles away is our best friend. Yep. Yep. but they can't bury us. Yep. they can't show up at the hospital and yep. help us. They can't feed my children yep. and take them to soccer practice and help us stay together as a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have traded the we've traded our birthright right next door for a bowl of soup eight thousand mm-hmm. miles away. And good yep. lord, we are so poor. Yep. In all in all, the most important ways. Yeah.
1: Oh man, but yeah, I, this is why I,
0: Solomon said. Better a friend nearby than a brother far away. Mm. Because when life hits the fan, you need to be able to walk next door yeah. and say, could you put me back together? Could yeah. you help me? Can you can you please get a meal for us tonight? My wife's in the hospital, please. Yeah. And so y- yeah, please send me that study. Because yeah, I will. that's what this book is contending for. Fall back in love with the particularity of the people and the place right in front of
1: you. Yeah, yeah oh man and, and you know and and to be honest I don't know what I mean I know the solution is the gospel I do mm-hmm. but on a practical level when even our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ are not living this out and and mm-hmm. have lost the ability to to, to disagree um mm-hmm. I, I i don't i, some, I sometimes i go I, I don't know what to do I don't know yeah. what to do. Um, and I have conversations about this ad nauseum with my husband and I just go, oh, like, I don't, cause my, cause guess what? I disagree with my husband on stuff. <gasps> oh,
0: I know. But you're For staying sure. together.
1: And you know what? And it's really interesting. Sometimes when we disagree on something, I will explain my position and he will explain his position. And sometimes we still don't agree, but then sometimes I'll go, you know what? That's a really interesting point. I'd never considered that before. Yeah. Cause guess what? We listen. Yeah. Listen to each other. Yeah. It's shocking. I know.
0: We. I think we're in need of a new monasticism. Mm. Monastery. You just you're working with who you're working with, mm. and you are where you are, and everyone there submits themselves to the limitations of the monastery. Yeah. I. I don't have other options, and I'm. I'm not going to go seek to find some ecstatic hit of spiritual life somewhere else. It's all right here. And the ancient monks out in the desert, 300, Abba Abba Moses, all these cats out in the Egyptian wilderness, they would say to people who were getting restless, who were getting ready to run, he would say to those monks, to those ministers, go to your cell and your cell will teach you all things. Mm. Go lock yourself up in your cell, go stay in your room, and let that unholy ambition flush out of your system, Mm. go to your cell, submit to it, the limitation, being locked in. And eventually, as you'll just wait it out, your cell will teach you all things and you will discover what you have all that you need right where you are. But your first instinct is going to be to go seek it elsewhere. Mm. So I think, I think we need a new monasticism today that says, you know what, I'm going to stay in my cell as best I can. And, and I want to run and I'm watching my friends run and we could go over here and we could go over there. And there's this new revival breaking out. No, I'm going to stay in my cell and my cell will teach me all things. And I'll be purified on the backside of my patients and I'll be a new person. So I, I think we need a new monasticism
1: mm, that's so good man Daniel I knew this was gonna be good I didn't realize how good it was gonna be uh we're gonna have to just come back on for part three when you write your next like life-changing book uh okay before we go um I'm going to just put this out there for you um everyone go buy this book like right now Amazon your local indie bookstore in in fact do your indie bookstore, plug into your local indie bookstore. Um, Shout out to my local indie bookstore. Um, So go get this book, The Power of Place, Choosing Stability in a Rootless Age. I think this is the book that can really jumpstart this important conversation that then needs to be had in person. Um, I would love to see Bible studies and, and discussion groups and book clubs around this book because and meet in person. Yes, person. Absolutely. If you don't feel Brace comfortable, sit outside, get a heat, get a heater, <laughs> a blanket. I don't know, but <laughs> meet with people. Um, clearly, I have thoughts about this. Okay, Daniel, before we go, we know this is the part of the show where I just get to ask some fun, get to know you questions. So are you ready? Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, number one, I know you're a music guy. What's the best concert you ever went to?
0: Oh, the best concert I ever went to. It was Boys to Men, July 4th in Philadelphia on the steps where Sylvester Stallone ran up playing Rocky. Stop. On the steps, I was in the fourth row, I mean, watching sweat beads drop from their face. And they're in their hometown on July. It was out of this world. There was over a million people there and we were right up against the stage. My mom and dad and my three sisters, I I must have been 13, 14 years old. I will never forget boys to men in Philly.
1: That is pretty dang awesome. I don't know (laughs) that anybody can top that. That is wow. That's awesome. Okay. Um, If you were to describe true generosity using Mm -hmm. an example you've witnessed, What example would you use?
0: We sent money over to Pastor William in Pakistan. He's in Lahore. He's been running from Al-Qaeda for years. He's got four little daughters. He comes over to our church every year and he's become a brother in Christ. And we're talking even right now, he's having to bounce from place to place every three or four days with his wife and four daughters so that they don't get killed. Mm. We sent him $5,000 just to say, hey, you know, God bless you, we are with you, we can't even imagine. And he wrote back and he said, dear pastor, brother, Pastor Daniel, with your permission, I would like to give half of this to a village just outside of Lahore who don't have a well, and we would like to drill a well, would you be okay with me? And I just thought, this is a guy, $5,000, like that'll change your story over there for a few years. And he could have absorbed that and taken that in and just said, honey, girls, we're good. And he gives away half of it to go bless a community that's in need. I I just thought to myself, only in the kingdom of God could someone see an opportunity to take care of themselves, but pass up on the opportunity and share it with others. So Pastor William in Lahore would be my story.
1: Wow. I love that. That might be one of my new favorite questions. Okay. Okay. In the, you know, event that someday a movie is made about your life, who would you want to play you in a movie?
0: (laughs) Oh, Jim Carrey.
1: I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's so funny because my kids uh, first, you know, they're five and eight. So their first exposure to Jim Carrey is in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Um, and God. I'm just like, guys, y'all don't even Protect know. Protect your innocence. Y'all don't Protect even know innocence. the real Jim Carrey. Like, and I, I'm gonna admit, like, I, there are certain movies that I kind of can't wait till they turn a certain age for them mm-hmm. to be able to watch to take it. Take them
0: to it. And like yes.
1: Dumb and Dumber is one of them. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah. like Ace Ventura are like uh-huh. movies I just all day. cannot wait till they are old enough to watch yeah. those. Um, yeah. Okay, speaking of kids' movies, is mm-hmm. there a movie that you watched as a kid that like totally scarred you? Oh, I
0: I got to think, I got to think A Thief in the Night or something, oh. you know. I, I don't know. I, I saw so many apocalyptic, if you were to die tonight kind of movies when I was a kid, scared the hell out of me. You know, that, that was the goal was scare the hell out of me. Yeah. And uh, so I, I think some of those movies just hold a place in my psyche. I probably can't even articulate what, what they do, but they, I went to every altar call, every service of my first 13 years of my life just to make sure I was okay. Yeah.
1: Just to know? like check the, check the box. Um, I asked. that question because it's kind of top of mind because we recently um introduced our kids to the uh classic 90s hit beethoven um and uh my daughter it scarred her and i have no idea why but she was like that was the worst movie i've ever seen she was (laughs) like crying and like Uh, why did you show this movie (laughs)
0: That's hilarious. My,
1: meanwhile, my husband and I are cracking up. And she's like, it's not funny. And we're like, yes, actually, this is hilarious. And I will tell this story for the rest of my life that Beethoven scarred you. Mm-hmm. Um, OK. And then my last question is the question that I've asked before, but it's the one that I always end uh, the show with. And that is, what does it mean to you to run a business, run a church, uh, serve a church with purpose?
0: This work is so meaningful. And every t- every, every story is sacred. I mean, there are no throwaway stories. There are no days you can mail it in. There are no corners that you can cut. And in the kingdom of God, every moment matters and every story is sacred. And so to get out of bed in the morning, realizing that everyone that I'm going to see today is holy ground. They are the burning bush that God wants to speak to me from and and uh through and and so to just sort of live with my eyes wide open looking for the mystery so leading a church leading a business with purpose it's there there are no days that you can just mail it in Mm -hmm. when you're doing it right in the kingdom you're stepping to every situation as if it's the holy ground god has opened up in front of you today so i get out of bed with the anticipation of what 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 are the mysteries I'm going to find myself stumbling into today? What what stories, what secrets of the kingdom are you going to unfold for me today? What little moments with particular people are going to be eternal? So really just trying to step into and steward those, to notice those, That that's how I try to live when I'm at my best.
1: So good. Daniel, this has been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show, friend, and congratulations on the book.
0: Appreciate it
1: friend, I would love to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned. Find me on social media. I'm at still being Molly or at business with purpose podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag business with purpose podcast when you're sharing the show with a friend. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to check out the archives for past shows featuring so many incredible entrepreneurs, business owners, community leaders who are changing the world. If you are a regular listener of the show, Thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for tuning in week in and week out. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Overcast, Stitcher, basically wherever you get your podcasts. Click that subscribe or follow button. To click that button means you will never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to just leave a review? Would you take a moment to maybe share one of your favorite episodes with a friend? Leaving a review, sharing the show with a friend, It is totally free for you and it is the biggest help for me in the entire world. You have no idea how much I appreciate it. It just also helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is impacting you. As always, this show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose.